Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. This podcast is talking about all the uncomfortable truths of race to empower more empathetic New Zealand. We talk about race, diversity and everything else in between that crops up. Um, and also Kiwis come onto the podcast from all walks of life to share their stories. Um, so it's a really good time at Headscarves and Good Yarns. And... Today, we have a super cool chick um, joining me on the podcast today. We have Ayla. Ayla, please welcome yourself. Hello. Um, I'm, um, I'm Ayla in Arabic, or Ayla as my friends call me. And I am um, just, a, just a little Dunedin student. <laughs> <laughs> just a small town girl. I don't. I mean, I'd like to say a small city girl, <laughs> small Dunedin girl. Been here most of my life, um, and I am very talkative and opinionated. So um, I often find myself in discussions. So I think it's really fitting that I'm on a podcast. I'm really glad that you're here today. Then, um, so you have an Arabic name. What does me. it mean? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't. It just never sticks with me. Like I've googled my name, or my mum's explained my name to me so many times. My name is from the Quran, the, the um, Muslim holy book, and I think it means like to like like invite someone to your faith, or like to inspire someone, something like that. But I that's cool. It literally never sticks. I, I don't know why. I've had my name for 21 years, <laughs> but I've never managed to learn the meaning of my name and actually remember it. You'll get there. You'll get there. Because my name is Arabic as well, um, and it means hope. Yeah. So I, I like the meaning of my name. Yeah. Um, and it's quite common, actually, for Somali people to like give their kids Arabic names, but we're yeah. Islamic country, so it makes yeah. sense. Also, yeah. like Afghani and like lots of, lots of um, Islamic countries have Arabic names. Which oh, is cool. cool. And I also liked how you gave like the two ways to say yeah. it as well, like the proper way and then like the you know <laughs> the, adapted way. The easy way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well like I um I spent my whole life being like, I'm Allah and even though it's just not my name. Um and then it came to a point after March fifteenth when I was like I said to my friends I it was like a week later or something and I was like FYI, I'm no longer changing my identity to make it easier for people. Like I'm going to identify as myself and people can Woo-hoo. pronounce it however they can. Power to you. <laughs> I, I really, really appreciate that. I feel that. Yeah, the way that I my name is properly said, like, Emil, but I just even I just introduced myself as Amal because it just, just <laughs> I'm so easier. used to it. It's just yeah. easier. Um, but I really appreciate it when people try to say my name. Yeah, like I th- this is I suppose out of all the ethnic names that you could have, my name is relatively easy. Um, but a couple of my friends have like pretty intense ethnic names, yeah. and you could just see like people they're just like oh, I, I don't know how to say this, and yeah. instead of trying, they're just like oh, can I just call you A instead, or can yeah. I just call you this, and it's like. 
you don't even try. Like, yeah. at least attempt it once before you self-impose names on people. Um, but that's really cool that you're like reclaiming your identity, even in something as you know simple as your name. But that is where it starts. Yeah. Thank you. Thank so you mentioned March fifteenth. So mm-hmm. how how did you? process that and and how do you feel about it now that we've had some time to reflect and and grieve and and I suppose we'll always be healing we'll never forget but yeah how do you feel about it now now that some time has passed oh bless you (laughs) bless you again (laughs) got hay fever um March 15th was um deeply personal to me um, because, um, because Christchurch is kind of a second home for me. Like, I'm from Dunedin. I've been here since I was nine, two thousand six, seven, six, whatever. And um, my but my sister lives in in Christchurch, and my brother lived with her last year. And my brother, while he was in Christchurch, didn't miss a Friday prayer. And, um. Yeah, it was just really hard hitting because it could have easily been my brother. I mean, I mean, even if it was in Dunedin, it could have easily been any of my family. I park my car at the mosque every day, um, so it was very close to home. And yeah, it felt like someone came into my house and hurt my family. So it was really um, hard hitting. And at first, I was. Um, very shocked. Like, the first day I was like, how could this happen? Like, we're in New Zealand. Like, this just doesn't happen here. Like, this is why we come here, because this doesn't happen here. And, like, this is so shocking, and I could never have seen this coming. And then, like, a few days passed, and I was like, hold on. (laughs) Actually, (laughs) wait, let me think about this. Yeah, and I was like, it's not surprising at all. Like, let me think about all the times, like, all the things I've experienced, all the times my mum's been, like, straight out abused in public just for wearing the hijab or, like, um, all the times, like, I'd be, like, out in public with my family and, like, in Arabic you often say, like, oh, Allahu Akbar, like, just as, like, a, it's like you put emphasis on a situation by saying that, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it in English, but, like, I'll be shushed by my family because it's, like, people might get afraid or like I work with former refugees in Dunedin like um Syrian ones and there have been several situations where we've had um like street appeals for the Red Cross or for like I don't know um Lifeline or whatever and they volunteer they take time out of their day to stand on the side of the road and um collect money for these organizations Mm -hmm. and on several occasions they're like 16 15 like really sweet girls or boys and they would be like they'd have people come up to them and be like go back to your country don't we don't want you here you're unwelcomed um you're a terrorist like just when you think when you think back like after that first initial shock when I looked back I was like oh actually this was always coming this was a ticking time bomb and we shouldn't be surprised at all because this has been our reality for ages um and I actually wrote a little thing that was later put in the in the critic, which oh, I'll explains have to check that. that out. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's called a Muslim perspective. Just a little plug. <laughs> <laughs> and you can um, find the critic 
online. Yeah. So you don't have to be in Dunedin. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, The Critic is the University of Otago's like student magazine. Um, so it's not endorsed by the university. There's like a, It's all student-led. Um, so it's quite unfiltered and it's really raw and honest. So I will have to check that out. But I really feel with what you say about everything you just said. Because um, I think I kind of went through that journey as well of... <clears throat> oh my gosh, just completely in shock. And then, and then you have to take a couple of seconds and you're like, actually, no. I mean, I feel like because New Zealand is such a small country, we don't really talk about racism that much. And it mm. feels like everything that's ho- happening overseas is so far away from us. Yeah. But the thing is, just because we're so, like, a little country at the bottom of the world, mm. ideas such as, like, Islamophobia, um, white supremacy can still travel as not, Bought, you know, those ideas are borderless, yeah, and they're definitely here, yeah, for sure. And like, I don't know, I've always struggled with this, like, even before, um, like the massacres, even before all of this, um, we have a problem in New Zealand. Like, where where are you from? Are you like north? Um, I'm from Lower Hutt, but I oh, grew okay. up in Hamilton as well. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, definitely a North Island girl. Before studies, I never came down to the South, right. South Island. Yeah. Well, I mean for. In general, it's way worse in the South Island than the North Island because we have, like, way less of a mixture of people. Like, growing up in school, like, I was the only Muslim kid in my primary school. Like, I having gone up to the North, I think that there's still a, a tiny bit more, like, um, understanding of differences. Not saying... It's way better because it's not like even in Auckland where there's heaps of like AI <coughs> or whatever. But like, I've just um, I've kind of had this issue for a long time where in New Zealand, like everyone's like convinced we don't have racism here. So, so it's it's a, a thing that comes up a lot. And like, this is a discussion I have to have with my like with my brother-in-law, like who's Kiwi. He's like. We don't have racism here. I'm like, of course you think we don't because it's never been your experience. But we do because it's been our experience and it's been my friend's experience and, it, and I've seen it with my own eyes. <clears throat> but it's just such a thing to be like – because the, we don't have – we don't have – well, before this, we didn't have the American-style racism that was like, you're black, get out. It's more like – I feel like people think, oh, there's no segregation, so we're totally all good, yeah. but we're not all good. Like, racism is not just like, screw you, I hate you yeah. because you're like this color. It's yeah. the microaggressions, it's yeah. the systemic racism, it's why, you know, Maori and Pacific Island people are the, you know, poorest, the, yeah. the criminals. Like, yeah. all of these things come under the umbrella of racism. Exactly. People really need to open their eyes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's an issue I've had for so long. Like, it's so hard to explain to people because if you don't see it, you, you kind of don't want to see it. But it's it's to me, it's crystal clear, and to you, it's crystal clear, and to a lot of my friends who have, like, been with me, it's crystal clear. But um, some things are harder to explain because it's like sometimes you talk about microaggressions or, like, um, just casual language that is detrimental or, like... Um, Eurocentric, and when you explain it to someone, like if they don't understand the holistic picture, then they can be like, 
you're just being sensitive. Like, it's not that big a deal. If if someone says to you, you people, or like, if if someone if someone's default um, um, assumption is that you're white, that, that's not that offensive. And I'm like, like I get it in the ter- in terms of like pick your battles. I'm not gonna like pick a fight with every person that that says something suggestive of um, like Eurocentric views. I'm, I, I'm that's not worth doing. Like we'd have like, no energy we have no time for that yeah yeah but it's like you can't deny that it's problematic and it adds up and it forms what like eventually leads to what happened to March 15th yeah it is yeah it is quite I feel like people don't realise the damage it does as well like not only are you making someone feel like that this isn't their home when we're all Kiwis. Mm-hmm. You're causing like identity crisis. Yeah. You're no, it's causing yeah, real damage. People. Yeah. Yeah. My brother was telling me a story like um about his friend or someone he knows and he was like he was saying that his friend is Maori and that friend was out <clears throat> um out somewhere like speaking today with his family and the the waitress went up and she was like, Where are you from? And he's like, he's like, I'm in my own country, speaking my own language, and people still manage to be like, where are you from? Like, it's like, that's That's how... That's actually ridiculous. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's that just, like, displays how, like, Eurocentric New Zealand is and how we have no actual appreciation overall for the pluralistic society that we have like we have people from all over but you'd think like or like all backgrounds and ethnicities but you'd think that kiwi is a white anglo-saxon who came here in 1860 but that's just not true i consider myself a kiwi and i've only been here since 2006 there's a decent amount of time. That's like over ten years, dude. Yeah. Where were you before that? Most of my life. Um, <laughs> Jordan. Oh, so you were born there, stayed a couple of years there. Yep. Yep. Moved here when I was nine. Was that a big move for you? How did you feel about little old New Zealand back then? Um, yeah, it was a huge move. So when we came here, like I'm lucky in the sense that like I was never a refugee. Like my country was never at war, so I've never there are a lot of like traumatic experiences that I see now because I or like hear about now that I work with former refugees that I never had. So I'm very lucky in that sense. Um, like I never had to live in a tent or I never had to be displaced or anything, and I'm so grateful for that. But um, it definitely wasn't easy. Like <laughs> when we came here, I came I, when I was nine um, in Jordan. Like I had no idea what New Zealand was. I hardly even knew what Australia was. I was, like, nine. Like, the world was Jordan and America. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Because America was where all the movies were and Jordan was where I was. (laughs) That's all that mattered. (laughs) Jordan was, was like, a few cities that you, like, you know, travel around. So it was, like, you know, a whole world. (laughs) So I didn't really know what New Zealand was. And I just knew I was going to, like, learn English, which I was really eager to do. And the, we actually didn't plan on living here forever. Like, we were going to come here for two years and go back while well, my oh, dad okay. did his PhD. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then we came here um, 
and like two years later my dad wasn't finished his PhD and then, <laughs> and then it was like it took him like five years because we are a family of eight so it took him a long time I'm a family of eight too I'm the mm-hmm. oldest in my family are you? yeah do you have like babies lots of like um, everyone's quite old now eh? like the baby of the family is nine so we're all kind of spread oh, out and I feel like we're two <laughs> <laughs> and there's like two waves of us because like um, the four older ones we're all out of high school now Oh, like yeah. studying or working, and yeah, then yeah. the others are still in school, so they're wow. We kids, I'm like on the other half of my family. I'm one of the two younger ones, so we're like oh, please, the babies. Oh mm. my gosh, your older siblings must be like hella old. <laughs> they're not actually that old. They're like thirty. Oh whoa, good on your parents for just yeah banging them out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's how that happened. Shout out mum and dad. Anyway, <laughs> um, so it took five years. And um, after five years, we were like, oh, actually, like, we're pretty settled in and we, like, actually really like it here and, like, don't really want to move back and start fresh again. So we stayed. Um, But, yeah, it was really hard. Like, I don't know, looking back now, it's really obvious how, like, can I swear? Go for it. How shit it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like... I, in, in Dunedin, there really weren't that many, like, Arab or brown kids. So at my school, I I was either the only Arab or Muslim kid or, like, one of a few, and we were in, like, different parts of the school. But, like, right up until high school, because in high school when you go to camp it's a bit different, but right up until high school, um, every single camp I went to I had to be vegetarian because no one had any... Hello, me. Yeah, but like no one had any interest in even like looking into it. Like, like no, like now every eat, uh, not eat, every camp, the like they cater to the kids and bring halal food. But like now, when I look back on it, to me it's bullshit because I had to pay the same price that everyone else did. And I think of like most of the other Kiwi kids or like non halal eating kids, and. The parents who were like super like, don't go vegetarian, but if you do, then you have to have iron tablets. And I think back to those, to those, and I'm like, if your kid was gone for a week and they were just like forced to be vegetarian, you would have like all hell would have broken loose because they would have been like, you need to give them some sort of iron. Like, like, like I'm not condoning that, but I'm just saying like, it. it it's a totally different story for when it's us. It's like, whatever, like, she'll be right. And, like, I just don't think it would have been the same story if it wasn't an Arab kid. And um, I wouldn't have been vegetarian for, like, six years, like, at every single camp. But, like, towards the end when my parents started to pick up on it, because I'd be like, camp food's disgusting, but I never, like... Registered that it was like that. I just got the shitty like side food that they they made like a plate of that they didn't really care about. Um, not saying camp food's yummy because it's not amazing, but it's better <laughs> than what I had. Um, <clears throat> so my parents started sending meat with me, and honestly, my experience got so much better because it's like when you're used to having meat every single day, and then suddenly you don't eat like as a kid, you don't eat something that's part of your diet. Then you're like. What's going on? Yeah, you're like, why am I still hungry? Like, so yeah, a lot of there were a lot of things, and like in primary school, I was um really badly bullied, like 
really badly because I didn't speak much English, so like kids would like tell me to say stuff to the teachers or like. Oh, just, like really bad stuff. Yeah, and you being and innocent, no you'd have no idea. And I just really wanted to fit in. Like, I'd be like, yeah, like, of course I'd do that. Like, will you like me? And like, um, they'd straight out, like, say things to me that I now I know now were horrible but they would say it knowing that I wouldn't understand um that sucks that's like taking advantage yeah. of someone that is really true that's like, terrible it was so awful kids are and diabolical like, sometimes <laughs> I know and like just even the way I dressed was different so like even the way I dressed was made fun of like my English handwriting was horrible because I was used to writing in Arabic um my accent was really intense, which is why I've conformed <laughs> so much to the Kiwi accent. Like, this took a lot of time and, like, in, in front of the mirror being like, you have to sound normal. Fish and chips. Fish <laughs> and chips. <laughs> I remember when I was, like, 10, because in Arabic you don't say um, you say ah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And someone mocked me, like, someone whose opinion I obviously valued. So I stood in the mirror, in front of the mirror for like two hours, and I was like, um, um, um. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sad. Like, it makes me so sad to think how affected I was by those people. But um, it came back around, and like, now I'm like so proud of of who I am, and like, I don't hide it anymore. Like, before, back then when when it was like that, like, I'd like, I feel so bad for my mum. My mum really was put through the ringer like I was like to her like mum like please don't pick me up like I don't want the kids to see you like and like in hindsight my mum's quite a sensitive gentle soul like she probably would have been so sad like sorry mum I just didn't want to be different I know I know I get it I get it yeah I definitely did some things I was like I feel really bad for like English is the hardest language like I'm so glad I came to New Zealand when I was like really young Young. so I just kind of absorbed it yeah but it's a really hard language to learn so I really respect people who are older and learn English I know Um, like our parents I'm like shout out mum I mean (laughs) like when I was younger if like Albon Hoi would make a mistake with their English I'd be like ah you said that wrong (laughs) haha yeah I feel so, like, I look back and I'm like, that was really mean. Like, why did I do that? I mean, it came back around because my parents now make fun of me whenever I speak Arabic, so. Yeah, if I try to say (laughs) Afsamali words, they're just like, man. Yeah. (laughs) Look at you trying. You've forgotten it. (laughs) Oh, God. You should be ashamed. You're like, oh, sorry. At least I'm trying. (laughs) But look at you now. You're, like, studying law. Boom. That's really Shut impressive. Up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't know what I'm going to do with, with my degree, but hopefully going to... I mean, I change my mind every day, but I'm I'm thinking at the moment what I'm currently really interested in is going into policy and, Ooh. like, um, advocating for teachers because, like, teachers really affect your life and, like... They do. We need some decent training. And, like, honestly, at this point, we need some, like, cultural competency for, like, training for teachers. Like, I'm sick of the amount of, like, discussions I have with people who are, like, literally scarred because of conversations they had with their teachers because their teachers are too ignorant to, like, learn the, like, meaning of, of, like, of their phrases or their words. Like... One example is, like, my brother was telling me yesterday, like, 
this really bothers me. Like, it really annoys me. My brother was like, like he wasn't perfect. He was like a kid who got in trouble sometimes. But like, you know, like, aren't we all? There's always one in the family. <laughs> like, I mean, to be honest, if you if you went back to my high school teachers, they would they would probably say bad things about me. But not, I was never, like, someone who, like, like was mean to the teacher just to like get a laugh like I never ever liked that and I never would ever condone that but like I wasn't really willing to take take a teacher's shit just because they're a teacher and they a lot of teachers like that did not go down well with them and I think my brother was the same it was like a lot of them like see us and they kind of have a preconceived idea about us because we're like quite confident so they're like or like we don't want to take their shit and so that like oh that's the kid who's who's not going to listen to me or like who's too sure of themselves or whatever so they make their minds up about us before they even really know us and I I I stand by that to this day like I most of my teachers had made their mind up about me before they knew me and my brother was the same and when they he had this fight with some kid and they had like a a meeting with the teacher and there was a female teacher there and my brother's like obviously like quite riled up and he's all like this is bullshit like wh- how can you believe him he's talking shit about the other kid and the teacher like turns it around and she's like <laughs> she, literally I wish I, I wish you could record my face right now <laughs> she's like um do you respect women where you're from Oh my god, no! I know, this is a teacher there. who's still there. I literally want to go back, like, want to go to his old school and be like, what the hell? Like, you, why are you still here? Um, and he's like, what? What does that have to do with anything? Like, I'm not even talking to you. Like, <laughs> for one. And for two, yeah, actually, we do. Like, <laughs> and she's like, well, you're not respecting me right now. And he's like, and he, and he told me this yesterday, like, when he, like, he's 18 now. And he's like, I wish I had the intellectual capacity to be like, that's bullshit, like, at that time. But he was, like, year nine. And he just, like, took that as, like, a norm and was like, okay. And obviously it, like, affected him because he remembers the word-for-word conversation till now. And he, like, he's like, I hate her so much. Like, to this day, I think she's such a bad person. And it started there. And, it like, it continued on. Like, she would always say comments like that. And it's like, teachers are, like... I don't know how I went on this tangent. I'm so sorry. No, that's all all good. (laughs) Teachers are, like, so influential in our lives. And it's awesome for the most part. Like, I've had teachers who changed my life. And I love them. And I, like, talk to them to this day. Actually, I don't. But I try to. Like, I go back and I'm like, hey, what's up? (laughs) But, I, you know, I think about them sometimes. And I'm I'm like, shout out. And they, um, others, like, really damage you and... That's why, like, teachers should be, like, paid more or, like, there should be more funding in school so there's not so much, like, pressure on the teachers. And, like, honestly, like, there should be some sort of, like, for the schools that have more, um, actually, for all teachers, there should be some sort of cultural competency. Like, you can't say shit like that and it shouldn't be, like, swept under the rug rug when you do. Like, it's bullshit. Those are, like, really silly stereotypes for your teacher to for yeah. the teacher to bring up especially a teacher like yeah that there's someone 
like you know considered yeah. influential especially on young kids like that that's terrible I know it's interesting that you bring up that topic though I was talking about it um, with a friend the other day because um, she messaged me she was like I saw this video you might, you might be interested in it um, but in her course they have seminars on different cultures so then when they go on to practice with patients um, they will have that cultural awareness cool, yeah. and that was really cool and I loved how they didn't just um dump all the minority groups in one seminar like they pay attention to each different culture because there are different subtleties um, within within a culture for sure oh within sorry yeah different cultures even within the same religion like you said well yesterday was Eid yeah Um, so for those of you who don't know Eid is kind of like our version of like Christmas, I suppose, <laughs> after a month of fasting, we all just get together, um, pray together, eat lots of food. It's a really good time. Um, where was I going with this? I suddenly just lost my train. Oh, like when thought. you go to the mosque and there's lots of Oh, people. yeah, there's yeah. lots of people from like different cultures and yeah. everyone speaking languages I don't understand yeah, and everyone all, like so greets cool. each other differently yeah. and it's so cool and it's like... I feel like people would assume we all do the same thing just because we're all Muslims. But it's like, no, even within um, our religion, there's different nuances. Oh, my God, that reminds me. Once I literally had someone ask me, do you speak um, the Islamic language? And I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, no, no, like the Islamic language. What do you, what do you, like, what do you as Muslims speak? And I'm like... such a pet peeve for me. (laughs) um, We just... We, we come from different cultures, oh. so there's no Islamic language. This is, like, to me, this is the epitome of, like, um, what was the word I was, I was thinking of? Um, it's, so it, it's othering everyone who's not Kiwi, right? So, like, they see, like, a brown person who's Muslim. To be honest, even Sikh, like, they see someone who, like, got something around their head, or, like, is brown, and they're like, sweet, so that's one of the Muslims. <laughs> And then we're all put in, under this one umbrella term, and no one even cares to like learn the um the differences. And it's like, and this is it really bothers me that to this day I have friends that I've had since the day I got to New Zealand. So we're talking thirteen years or twelve. How, am, how old am I? Twelve years. And um, <laughs> and um, to this day I have to explain to them, like Islam is a religion. So that that's like saying someone's Christian. Like you can't be like that person looks Muslim. You can't look Muslim. Like like a Kiwi, someone who's fully white can be Muslim and they are. Like come to the mosque, have a look. Literally everyone looks different. And like Arab is an ethnicity or like Middle Eastern is a like general term for an ethnicity and like Somali or like to be honest, if anyone says African, then I'm like, come on, man. Like, that's, It's a continent, on. not a country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, like, the point is, like, learn the difference between ethnicity and religion. Like, please. I'm sick of having to explain this. Like, oh, my God. Okay? Arabic is a language. It's spoken by the Arab people, which are the Arabic countries, which is, like... Um, Look it up. To be honest, it's not my job to educate you. And <laughs> and Muslim is a religion. And so people convert to Islam and people are born into Islam. And we should not have to, like, be explaining this as often as we do. And, the like, the reason that we're all put under an umbrella term is because we're just othered. Like, that's what it is. Like, othering people is such a thing. And it's been my whole life. It's like they're the other ethnicity that I'm not going to take any time to learn about unless it throws itself at me. And it's like... 
I don't know. It's just frustrating, and I'm really sick of having to explain it. No, I get it. I mean, I think the takeaway message is like, if there's someone you see and you don't understand how they dress, how they talk, how they live their lives, have conversations. Like, yeah. ask them, yo, like, can you teach me? Because that's how we learn from each other. Yeah. Um, For sure. But also, it's like, not their responsibility to cure your ignorance like if someone is like i actually don't feel like explaining this for the 75th time today that's okay like it's your job to like go out and look at look like do some research like i had to do a lot of research into western culture and i'm sure a lot of us did and we had to teach ourselves but like it is awesome when we can have a discussion and like learn from each other but my point is like we don't have to teach each other if if we're like really sick of doing it (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> it is an ex- it is an exhausting thing with the constant questions, but understanding is the most important thing. Yeah, we have actually run out of time for today, and I'm really sad about that. Actually, <laughs> I have so much more to say. <laughs> that means you're going to have to come back for round two. But thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, thank fun. you for tuning in to Headscarfs and Good Yarns. Check us out on Facebook. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, so check us out if you have any feedback ever you can always Facebook me Um, we also have an email which is on the Facebook page but yeah thank you for tuning in and catch you next time bye take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store this programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air